It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Broadcasting live from Florida's capital city, this is the Jeff Cameron Show, brought to you by Orange Theory Fitness on Real Talk 93.3. Now, stop what you're doing and listen closely. It's time for the Jeff Cameron Show in five, four, three, two, one. To Jeff Cameron Show 93.3, Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV, on a Libations Friday. This hour not looking like last hour because this hour is in the can and the first hour is live. The reason this hour is in the can, making our way on over to the stadium, to uh, the practice fields for the first of the padded practices. So the War Chant crew will be over there. We had to allow time for, for that and a couple of other things we had to do. So that's why this looks the way that it does, but we definitely wanted to get you both hours of the show in today. You know something, Tom? We didn't talk about it last hour, um, but how bizarre, and, and I'll circle back to football, of course, how bizarre is uh, the ending of Bayheim's career? It seems so fitting. It's bizarre. Um, you know, Wake eliminates Syracuse from the ACC tournament. Uh, and then Bayheim was asked about his future in the postgame press conference. Um, he said, I think you missed it. I gave my retirement speech on the court last Saturday, and I gave it in the press conference afterwards, and nobody except William Payne, which is the Syracuse team chaplain, figured it out. Are you saying right now that you're going to retire, Beheim? Uh, it's up to the university. Follow-up question. You want to come back? Beheim. I didn't say that. So what are you saying? You're not saying you're retiring. I just said it. I don't know. So you don't know if you're retiring. I said this is up to the university. Question. You're not sure whether, how will you make the determine, determination about when or if you're coming back? Beheim. You guess you're just talking to the wrong guy. Question. This is in the pro scheme press conference, Tom. This is happening between him and a reporter, and they're looking at each other like, what the hell are you talking about? And then the follow-up is, I'm confused. Do you want to come back or not, Jim? Did you just announce your retirement without actually announcing your retirement? What are you saying, Beheim? No, I said it's up to the university. They have to make a decision. It's up to them. I hope we can come to an agreement. I mean, that remains to be seen. 
Within three hours after that exchange, Tom, Syracuse announced that Beheim would not be returning next season, and he would be succeeded by the assistant head coach, Adrian Autry. Beheim played poker with his bosses from the dais. They called his bluff within hours of the moment, and then he looked like a complete ass backed into a corner and had to announce that he was retiring, or it's tell the world you've just been fired? How beautiful is that? Oh, it it warms my heart. And it happened when we were covering practice on Wednesday. You know, I know. Down, I think the official announcement from the university came just before Mike Norvell's press conference, maybe 20, 30 minutes before Norvell's second presser. I don't know that I'll say 10 years from now, I remember where I was when, because I'm indifferent about people I don't care for. Right. Uh, but I will say that this particular gentleman, uh, and I use that term loosely, is the type of guy that if you played him in Monopoly, he would argue as the banker technicalities as to why he should be getting 10 more dollars for a certain move he's made relative to others. That's who this guy is. And so therefore, when there's a uh, an excruciating exchange and that room had to be like a Larry David special in terms of awkward episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm, when he has to go through that pain and feel the vacuum in the room, that brings me joy. That brings me real joy. I, I think, you know how I love these moments where every now and again, the bad guy gets the comeuppance and we all get to watch it. This played out oddly. It's not a subject on this show all that often because college basketball has not been my forte this year. And what I mean by that is I've not enjoyed the sport this year. I suspect I'm going to enjoy the tournament because it's wide open. There are no elite teams. Anybody can get upset. I know enough from watching this year to know that. So I'm excited for the tournament. But I didn't spend a lot of time on college basketball this year, twofold. A, we were as bad as we have ever been in the history of me covering the program, quite literally. It's never been this bad. I hate it. It makes me sick in so many ways. On the one hand, when I watch us play, I get sick. We suck. We're terrible. There's nothing redeeming about what we do. On the other hand, the, the off-the-court aspect of all of this, I hate this drama for a man I have immense respect for and who I think deserves better. But I'm also pragmatic. I'm a realist. I have always tried to be as objective as I can be with an admitted inherent bias towards Florida State. But... That is an unacceptable season. We have to ask hard questions. We have to say what it is. We have to talk about it because we would with anybody else in any other program that we're discussing or any other team for that matter. Wouldn't even have to be Florida State. If we were watching from afar this situation play out, we'd have to have this discussion. So I've hated that. I've hated having to think about what that is, what that looks like, what that means, what should Alfred do. But I, so for all those reasons, we haven't had a lot of college basketball talk. But this, this situation with Beheim, he's a despicable man. He's a very difficult man to, to, to say anything nice about. Every time you bring him up, you want to bring up all of the foibles and ludicrous arrogance and hubris. So to have it come to a head like this after they get waxed by Wake and then he has to say what he has to say, it's just beautiful. And it sounds like, though, Tom, and this is where the situations are different, it sounds like the university – 
had had enough of that arrogance and hubris that I just alluded to, and they would not give in to whatever it was he was doing behind the scenes, demanding more money, more years, whatever it would be. And then at some point, he tried to call their bluff, even before then, by saying, uh, you know, I'll decide whether or not I want to come back. And the university is like, oh, oh, oh. We'll, we'll decide if whether or not you come back. That was public, by the way. That kind of happened in a war of words between him and the athletic department and the school president. He tried to he tried to play it as if I'm bigger than all of you. And they went, oh, oh no, no, you work for us. You work for the university. You're an underling. You're, you're not above the president or the athletic director. And he thought he was. And then this happened, and they were basically, they left him, to, to, to sit out there in the breeze and look like a fool. It was fantastic. And he, and he decided to double down. So you're right. Yeah. When, this was fun. When you deal with folks like this, and Florida State's had one or two in their various sports over the years, just let them keep talking. Keep talking, pal. Keep going. You're only making yourself look more like a clown than, you know, most of the world knows. And, and perhaps you're showing who you truly are to the world, and that's okay. And for Syracuse, I could see why they'd fire him. You know, they haven't been, this is now uh, a couple of years in a row in which they've lost at minimum 15 games. I mean, 15 games at Syracuse. I know you like to say often that you're not a victim of your own success. I think at times you are, and it's a good thing because you set a new standard that you can't live up to. And that's all right. That's all right. You got there. Most people don't. Good for you. But I mean, if you are at Syracuse and you're looking at the future of your athletic department and your athletic programs, a lot of the discussions we've been having for the last month relative to Florida State and conference realignment expansion and so forth, you better go all in on something soon because you're not going to have money to spread around to a lot of different places. And if basketball has lost 32 games the last two seasons at Syracuse, that's all you're known for, that, that lacrosse. But in terms of the big money sports, you better make a change now because you need to position yourself as a basketball brand before this sweeping change comes, another round of it in the next year or two. So I think it's a wise move by their athletic department. Fun. It's fun. And we get to see him, uh, you know, kind of dangled out there in the wind. Meanwhile, I want to, I want to point out, uh, I am sad that I'm going to miss this series this weekend for baseball. I'm going out of town. Um, it's, it's always this time of year where things get weird, where you have, you know, your kids go on spring break and things happen. You try to get out of town for a little while, but you might miss something here. And this is something I am going to miss. Uh, Buster Posey, one of my favorite athletes to ever play at Florida state. Plus I'm, I'm excited about the weekend series. And then also, you know, you've got all these people coming into town. It's a big recruiting weekend, Tom, and you've got former players in town. Derwin is coming back into town. Jameis Winston coming back in town. Um, you know, I, I, Old Sassy's old coming back into town as, as well. Uh, I noted somebody came up to me the other day and said, did you know that those guys that are coming back to town are, are not doing interviews? They don't want to do interviews with the press. It's, it's, and, I, and I suggested that that was something probably born from um, the university side of things. I don't think it's the players themselves. Now, I, I'm not trying to carry water for any of these players, but all those guys have done plenty of interviews uh, in the past. Uh, we've had Jameis on countless times. I think we could probably have him on again. Uh, Derwin's good with the press. Uh, Jalen can be prickly, but um, I don't think it was, I don't think it was about not wanting to speak to the press. When, when the university asks you to come back for their purpose, it's a very different deal than if you're doing it on your own and you're seeking publicity for a function. I don't think that the two of those players want to be asked about their next stop. And one of them is Jameis and, and the other is, is Jalen Ramsey. And, you know, the trade talks, what he might fetch uh, in, in exchange for his services. I'm seeing 
You know, some NFL insiders say that it's now down to a second round pick because the tape is saying that his game is starting to diminish. It happens to everybody at the NFL. Uh, I'm sure that that's not something that Jalen takes kindly to. And his next stop, you might see a surge born out of spite. And he mm-hmm. he's like Patrick Reed in that way. He could summon the negative energy and, and channel it and turn into one of the best cover corners in the NFL the last 20 years. Uh, but I'm sure that they don't want to be asked about those things. And then also, I'm pretty sure that the university itself is going to publish content in which they're featured and or interviewed one way or the other. But you get a chokehold on that from the university's perspective when they put out hype videos, photos with recruits, things along those lines. I love it. I love the embracing of the former players. And, you know, Jimbo's first iteration, he was pretty good about that. Remember the details that some of the former players would tell you that they they never got a phone call. Like they just never got a phone call before it was time to go and show up and, and pay respects to Bobby Bowden's final game that, you know, they really didn't hear from the university that much. It died down as everything did with that program, but that coach Norvell is bridging the gap back to 10 years ago and time flies. It is the 10th anniversary of the national championship coming up this season. It's just smart business. And it also makes everybody feel good. We all know what it is. It's nostalgia in front of you. But everybody likes nostalgia. Look at the way that movies and TV are put out these days. Everybody likes going back and looking on the fonder times. And that was one hell of a run. A lot of these guys are going to be a part of that, uh, that were from the 29th straight. 29 straight wins. And, and when you say it out loud like that, you're reminded of just the domination of a program that had been dormant for a decade and turned into a monster again and reawakened some of the ghosts of yesteryear. You were reminded, I was, of the dominant teams from 93, 94, 95, all of the 90s, all of the 90s, you know, 99, obviously, too. Wire to wire, first one to ever do it. I was reminded of all of that. It was great to rekindle that, and these guys are responsible for that, and so in a big way. And so, yeah, everybody who does like to see them return and come back and, and be a part of something special. You know, it's interesting with Jameis. You bring up Jameis' situation, and I would like to talk to him this offseason. Uh, I'm sure we'll get an opportunity. The Saints have offered a restructured deal to Jameis Winston. Um, He has one year remaining on a two-year deal that he signed in 2022. Um, So he has until the start of the new league year Wednesday to accept the offer or he'll be released. Uh, Obviously, for people who haven't been paying attention this week, the Saints signed Derek Carr on Monday, which means Winston, um, you know, he's he's not competing for a starting role. And I think if you're Jameis Winston, um, he counts 15.2. Yeah, I just pulled it up against the 23 salary cap. Uh, they can adjust it by lowering Winston's 12.8 million salary um, to pay him in line with other backups, uh, like a one year deal for three million. Tom or Andy, like you know, that's that's untenable. So he won't be back with the Saints. And if you're Jameis, you've got one more opportunity to start somewhere. In my opinion, he's got one more chance to go start somewhere, and he's going to have to make a good decision. And we, you got to find out what the market is. What's the market for Jameis Winston? I don't know. Uh, I think he probably has better upside in my mind than he does in a lot of the league's minds. Uh, the people who make these decisions. I don't think they think Jameis is a viable starter anymore at a lot of places. I think he's got one more shot. I would like to see a healthy version of him one more time. He has been really injury riddled the last two years in New Orleans. So you never got to see it. You know, and remember, he got off to a great start before the injury against the Bucs two years ago. And, and he was playing really well and he was taking care of the football and the quarterback rating was high and he was efficient. Um, 
you know, I think he's learned some lessons. I just would, I'll be curious to see where he ends up. And by the way, I'll say this for all the Bucks fans. I know, Tom, you'd like to have it because it's an incredible show, but it would be bad for him to come back to Tampa because they're, they're not going to be competitive. And so he'd be thrown into a terrible situation again. Yeah, if they had hired Munkin as the offensive coordinator, I'd be more for it than this situation because then I think you could separate. If they hired Munkin, I think they were hiring their next head coach. Yeah. You know what I mean, so yeah. you could separate offense versus defense and then you, you could potentially flourish. But that situation, we're about to get gutted, and rightly so. You know, this is this is why you you put off your payments to the NFL salary cap for years and years and years when you have a window like they did with Brady. So it's not the healthiest situation for James to come into. But if you recall, last year he finally let loose. He's not one to speak at a turn when it comes to football matters. And he did last year in the locker room when he was asked about Andy Dalton taking his starting position. And Jameis said, look, you're not supposed to lose your job. I was told you're not going to lose your job for being hurt. I had a broken back. Now I'm healthy, and they're telling me I'm the backup. So bully for me. How about that? They were were lying to me. I, I don't think he would take a restructured deal with people that lied to him. So you're right. I think on the open market, he's got one more chance to come in and be paid something close to starters money and have a chance at the job. Beyond that, I think it would be, it's time to make a choice. Do you want to be a backup for another five years? And when you get your chance, maybe that could be your path back to prominence. Or do you want to call it a day and see how that slider's working on the mound and, and give it a shot and maybe live the dream? You, you, you can afford to live the dream and take a shot in single or double A and see how much you can make of it as a pitcher. I'd be interested to see. In a weird way, I almost want that choice to come to bear because I'd love to watch baseball Jameis play again. But also, I think that you're correct. I think somebody could get a diamond in the rough at a pretty low price this offseason. He's just got to be right about the organization that he trusts. Yeah, and I can't find a good spot for him right now. I mean, I'm sure if I sat down and thought about it more that there might be a perfect place, but I, it, it's tough. Like, Denver? Well, it's funny you bring up Denver. Of course, I thought about that too, but he would be going to Denver right now to be a backup to Russell Wilson because they're going to try to make it work since they just gave Russell Wilson, Wilson over $200 million. So they've got to find a way to get Russell to play well. And if he doesn't play well this year, then James could be the starter. But he would have to sign now as a backup in Denver. And in a weird way, hope like hell that Russell stinks, uh, which might very well happen. It would be fascinating if Sean Payton, who knows Jameis well, decided, I'm going to bring him in. I'm going to bring him in, which is kind of code for you're on notice, Russell. Yeah, that would be, you know, if we were working in Denver Sports Talk Radio, would be worse markets to work in, by the way. Uh, (laughs) But if we were working at Denver Sports Talk Radio, it would be Sean Payton brought in his guy. That would be the way you'd say it. So Sean Payton brought in one of his guys as insurance. Yeah. And, I, I, you know, maybe Jameis doesn't want that because there's a lot of terrible quarterback play at the NFL level. Like maybe Atlanta is a good fit for him. That's a team that's kind of on the up and up. We'll see if they bring in a, a draft a rookie, but maybe he would be a placeholder there and you get a free opportunity to be a starter for a year to usher in the next guy. I, I don't know. There, there, there are plenty of markets where quarterback play has been awful. So I think he would get a crack in a training camp to win a starting job. It's just, you know, again, you got to pick the right fit, right offense. You don't, know, you, don't you feel like if you're Atlanta that you have a chance right now to make an aggressive play for Lamar Jackson and shake up your future and shake up the apple cart. Like I, you can go get that guy. That's an offense where you have your tight end, you know, you have your elite tight end, you have a good receiver. They probably need to bring in more weapons, but they have, you know, you go, there's 
there's a draft coming up. Uh, I just, I feel like that would work. I mean, I, they have some pieces in Atlanta. They, they, they looked by the second half of last season, they started to look like a team that could be a problem. I would, I think it could be interesting if they would make a play at a quarterback. I mean, they need a quarterback. They just, they just cut Marcus Mariota basically said, have a good day. You're terrible. Uh, go, go get your quarterback. So they've got 62 million in cap space, just under 63 in the raw number. The effective number is 58. So it's, I mean, that's still a, a crap ton of money and you're right. They were impressive, like legit. I, I make fun of the Atlanta sports market as anybody for multiple reasons. Uh, but that team under, under Smith kind of took on his personality. Cause that dude's prickly. He's really not a pleasant man to look at, to watch coach. Uh, to see interviewed, but his team was an extension of who he was, and they were a tough out. They were a tough team to beat, and if they had a little bit more explosiveness on offense, who knows, because they, they do have the physicality to go with it. If you're going to have Lamar Jackson as your quarterback, you've got to have physicality in the run game, and, and I think Atlanta has that. Yeah, and I, I think when we look at the quarterbacks that are available, I mean, everybody's wanting to know you know who's going to end up where, and I, I, you know, looks and if you're going to go out and get in a quarterback, you don't bring in Jimmy Garoppolo or Baker Mayfield or these other bums. Uh, you know, obviously Derek Carr just went to the Saints, so there's still some names out there. You look at Geno signed back with Seattle. Um, so th- what's left? What's left is, you know, all these guys that you don't want: Jacoby Brissett, Andy Dalton, Taylor Heineke, Drew Locke, uh, Carson Wentz. Yeah, we're gonna go Lamar Jackson. I'm not bringing these bums in, you know. I just, I, I, I would do it if I were Atlanta. I don't want to do it in Tampa. You hear Tampa radio; they talk about. I'm like, Look, guys, we're starting over. Oh, yeah. We're starting over. We're gutting the team. Caleb Williams, that's who you want to be your quarterback. That's right. You start Kyle Trask this year, and you let him take that ass kicking that right. he's gonna take. And if he's good, okay, he's good. Okay. He stumbled on something, you know. That's wonderful. You resign him and. We walk on into the sunset that is a playoff run in a year or two. But if he isn't, and he won't be. door number two is, uh, you know, a real good look at Caleb Williams because I would imagine the Bucks right now, if you had to set an over-under for the win total, four and a half, is, is that about right? Yeah, that may be a little high. Um, I, I'm with you. I, I This is a devious thing, but if you're a Bucks fan, the way you, you could, the way you tank without tanking, is say we got to see what we have in Kyle Trask, <laughs> and you know he can't play. Yep. But you, you can say that publicly. We got to see. We drafted him. We got to see what we have with Kyle Trask. Now you're throwing him to the wolves. You you got nothing left. You're cutting people left and right. <laughs> this is a destined to be bad situation. But you don't you know put on the brave front. We're gonna see what we have with Kyle Trask. We have a lot of faith. He's been in the building. He's worked very hard. He knows the system. And the reason you do that is twofold. You know he's gonna fail. And you're probably going to go two and 15. Well, that serves two purposes. That allows you at the end of the day to probably have the number one pick in the draft. And at that point you get Caleb Williams. It also allows you to fire your head coach, which you kind of already want to do. So now you fire everybody. And then you get a new coach whose quarterback is going to be the franchise and Caleb Williams. This is what we do. Yes. Lincoln Riley, the next head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I like playing defense, Tom, and he has never done it. That's okay. He doesn't have to do the recruiting and or the management on any other. It's the NFL. It's you could just go grab, you know, uh, the the corpse of Jim Bates, you know, and we're <laughs> we'll be okay. Uh, that's how they do in the NFL. You can find an eighty-five year old who just likes to blitz a lot, and he does his thing. You do yours. But then it would be awesome because Lincoln would follow Caleb Williams from Norman 
And you could say which one followed which, but I, I don't care. From Norman to LA to Tampa, these two go together. Right, we've got we got it all worked out in the first the first segment of the second hour of the Jeff Cameron Show on a Libations Friday. It's all worked out, Bucks fans. You're welcome. Jeff Cameron Show 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 100 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back guaranteed. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. The Cameron Show is a production of the Warchant.com Multimedia Network. Check out Warchant.com today for the latest news inside Florida State Athletics. That's Warchant.com. Now, back to Jeff on Real Talk 93.3. Friday, and I uh, appreciate you joining us. So, Monday show, Tom and I will be back to do a show on Monday. Um, next week is the week where we both go out of town. Uh, there will be a, a Jeff Cameron show on Monday, which will give us the opportunity on the air to react to Friday um, uh, today uh, with, with football and the pads and, and all of that, and then also the weekend series. But then uh, I think we do a middle headlines, and then we're off the rest of the week. That's the way the schedule works. So uh, kind of unique the way today's show is set up, for example, but that's that's why, and, and that's where we sit. Um, but I, I, you know, when we talk about what's to come with Florida State football, it's funny, most of the time you and I, and I think to some degree we are, embrace this week that you get off for spring break where we always usually take a, you know, we it could be spring training, you could be visiting folks in New York, I could be going wherever it is, you know, with the kids. But I have to admit, this is another area in which football uh, has kind of superseded all of the vacation thought. I, I sit around here asking myself again, man, I'm going to miss going to practice. I'm going to miss seeing these guys because every day is another day to, have a revelation of a, of a positive kind in which you talk about this roster and you think to yourself, man, they're good. I, yes, I will miss it to a degree, but I'm shaking my head because take the break while you can get it because then it's just full pads galore. So this is, you know, it's like you get a little sneak preview with pajama football. Then today you get an even more kind of tantalizing sneak preview with pads. This must be a godsend also for the freshmen and the newcomers who are, you know, if their head is swimming about the way that things are done, you get a full week to reset. Okay, now I know what this beast is about. I can put my arms around it. Do I need to get in a little better shape over the week? Let me put myself in position to succeed, come out firing on Tuesday after spring break week. But I'm going to embrace this, uh, this little respite for all it's worth because I feel like once we come back Tuesday and you've got a full pad practice, it kind of just connects all the way to fall camp. 
because you're going to have answers about position battles by the end of this spring. Not necessarily ironclad, here's your starter, but you're going to know, for example, on the offensive line, here are the seven or eight contenders as we exit camp. Here's your nickel corner as we exit camp. Here's the picture of the safeties and whether or not you need to go into the portal and go find a solution for sure, or could you use that roster spot somewhere else? Like You're going to get some, some good answers to a lot of our questions by the middle of April, and then what happens after that is, okay, let's assess who are the guys that left, what's the scholarship situation, you have a place or two open, what position do we use it on? When that conversation is concluded, it's June. And as you like to say, when we're in June, you oh. might as well be in football season. <laughs> I do. I will it. I will it into being. But I, well, especially this year when the opening game is LSU and Orlando. Yeah, I, I think we're we're all just willing our way through these months. And uh, yeah, it's it's funny. I, you know, Tom, I don't know how much. I I, I hear your point, and I think it's valid. But I want to go back to something here. There's so much teaching going on, and I think that's going to continue in the spring. So I just, throughout the rest of spring, even in pads, so I just don't know that we will have answers to some of those questions definitively. Well, I, I hear you. That's why I said I think you're going to find the seven or eight contenders in the offensive line. Yeah, okay. Find out, like, I think the nickel corner experiment is likely going to be over by the end of spring camp. I you would want to have that answer before Kevin Knowles returns. Do we need Kevin to be the guy for us? Uh, does Azaria look comfortable there? No, he doesn't. All right, let's put him back outside. And it goes to be, you know, greedy Vance versus Jerion versus Kevin, or we love Jerion on the outside. Azaria has really taken to the nickel slot. So, you know what? We like that. Let's move greedy Vance somewhere else. You know, maybe he's a safety. Like I, I feel like, that position on the defense in the defensive backfield in the slot is going to help a lot of dominoes fall. And I, I just think you said it, you know, and, and we agreed. We talked about it at the tour of duty that this is going to be a camp of hurt feelings. I think by the end of camp, we're going to know who's going to be lucky to be on the two deep on the offensive line. And then who are the true contenders to be starters? They're all good options compared to a couple of years ago. But I think we're going to see some separation here as they go head to head with that D line every day. Yeah, and I'm very curious to see how well they are able to keep this, this locker room cohesion together. I'm very curious to see how well they're able to transition from the end of spring to the fall with the with the roster that is and how many of those kids stick around. Um, you know, if you're telling me when we look at this offensive line, you know, that you think it gets about eight guys competing for those five spots, I think it may be more, maybe nine. I just think they have that much depth with quality depth where it, it may not be decided yet. And, and you may have nine or 10 guys competing now, right now they have 12 and we'll see if a couple of them are clearly being separated from, but if, when that happens with that group or any of the others running back is another one uh, and wide receiver is one uh, you know, we've seen it. So I, I won't be surprised if the camp of hurt feelings does exactly as it's intended to with the title being uh, as I, tabbed it uh guys deciding to walk or can you convince them that look you know sure you may be the you may be the the fourth guard we're using out here right now you know you got two two of them two guards two starters in front of you and we've got another backup that we like a little bit more than you and you're the fourth guard well you know look man you're the fourth guard but one guard goes down due to injury at an injury prone position and now you're the backup you're right there you're gonna get in the game you're gonna play like what's the pitch 
that Mike Ravel has to make. I love right now all these players so much talking about how they, you know, they love to come here. They love to be here. They like to be with their brothers. You know, you hear Jordan Travis say that a lot. Like we spend so much time together. We're here all the time. It's a good thing that we're all pulling in the same direction. It's a good thing we have leadership. It's a good thing we believe in this coaching staff. Well, you're damn right because you do spend an inordinate amount of time every day at that facility, and you better like the people you're going to war with. Uh, obviously, I know this is not real war, guys. It's football, but you, you know you better like these guys. But man, I still think while that's true, if I if I work my butt off and at the end of spring it is clear that I am not real close to seeing the field, and I'm a junior. Yeah, I mean I'm probably gone. I'm, I'm probably gone. I'm going to go somewhere where I know I can play and I've, I got to get film. I got to get tape. I got people, I, you know, I've got bigger goals. I want to get to the NFL. I got to put tape out there. So I think you're right. We just have to brace ourselves for that at the end of spring that some guys are going. And at that point also, does the staff decide that they do need to bring in yet another transfer portal guy like you were talking about? Like there might be a couple positions where they decide that's true. We're going to get asked about this till we're blue in the face because I understand it and I agree but I think it's nuanced, and I can't get into all the details about that. I'm not trying to make it sound controversial. I'm just saying we're going to continue to be asked about linebacker. Mm-hmm. And, you know, would they be willing to go out and bring in a high-profile big name who puts his name out there in the transfer portal at the end of spring wherever he is? If that's a Georgia player or Bama player or a, a Michigan player or whomever – would they be willing to do that? And uh, I don't think it's as easy as, well, just look at the depth chart and decide, do you need another guy? I don't think it's that easy. No, but if it's a no-brainer, I think they do it. You don't take a risk when you have as much coming back in terms of experience with Buffoon playing a million college football games in his career. Kalen Deloach, yet another year in the system, and when he was healthy, he looked like an NFL in terms of speed sideline to sideline accelerator and linebacker you know the nuances of playing the position could it be better of course but that speed is very much something that translates to the next level uh but you would have to know for a fact that the guy you're getting is going to be a plug and play starter and a leader of the defense if it's an experiment fall camp is too late i I think at that position fall camp is too late it's not worth the risk Uh, and i think by the end of spring you're going to know where you need help and it'll probably be in more glaring areas because you only have two linebackers on the field at a given time. We think the defensive uh, up front, the interior especially, is going to be better, which means that they should be operating with a cleaner canvas game for game. Safety is a big one to me. You know, could it be that Omarion Cooper just solves the problem? And when you have a combination of he and Shaheem Brown and Akeem Dent, you feel good about where you are at the position and you don't need to go shopping. Or is it, mm, I'm not so sure, would really like another guy, you know, a power five capable guy to round out a quartet of safeties and, and you spend the spot there. I just, I can't imagine there would be more than two or three spots open when spring is done and attrition happens from spring to fall camp. Three is probably pushing it. But that's why we do spring beyond the, the, the teaching and the learning and the basics. You've got to vet your roster to know we're going for the playoff this year. If there's a, a big-time hole in what we have on either side of the football, we got to address it this summer. we got to address it right now for this season. I hope you're right. I hope that that is the thought process. The thought process, you, certainly as a fan, but 
there's a lot of factors that go into the locker room cohesion that we reference. And you would like to believe the only thing going through the minds of coaches is how to, identifying holes and how to fill them to make sure we have a chance to be our very best. That, like it's, it's that simplistic, right? But it's not always that simplistic. Guys who come back an extra year, you had to converse with them about that decision. You had to talk with them about what it means for them to come back. And at the time, you may have wanted them to come back and needed them to come back. And, you know, I just – I wonder how those conversations go. Uh, you, you then get a guy to say, okay, I'll come back, and you recruit over him in the portal, it would be a problem in some cases. Not all, not all, but I think it would be in some cases. Okay, so you're talking about Tatum Bethune, is he good enough? And and I think if he's healthy and he doesn't have a busted shoulder and there is uh, some semblance of a run defense – like we thought we would see last year that actually materializes in 2023. Those two factors combined make him a far better football player than we saw in, in 2022. And Deloach, the same with the injury issue. Dude looked a lot different in September than he did for long stretches of the season afterwards. But I, I think Tatum Bethune is more than good enough to handle what is necessary to make a playoff run if he's healthy and if you have that quality and healthy rotation up front on the defensive line. I think it'll be... Amazing to see how much better he looks if that's the case. It's like Jordan Travis having receivers that can win one-on-ones. Yeah, yeah. You know, he might – he changed. He evolved. That That's that's true. But even if he didn't last year, we'd say, wow, he got better because we could block for him and guys could get open. It's yeah. just it's amazing how all these things work in concert. I, I completely agree he's good enough if healthy and the group up front is solid, and I think they are. So I, I, I'm not saying that. I, I do think he's good enough. I don't think he's a game-changing linebacker, but I think he's good enough. Same for both those gentlemen. Uh, it's it's that if there is a star out there that could be had, you know, I, I'm inclined to make that move, regardless of how much better we think Tatum Bethune or Kellen Deloach is going to be. And I don't know that they are because I don't know how that conversation went. I don't yeah, know, I, you know. I totally agree with you, I, and I think it would be evident if you're going to make the move. It's because it's evident to the other ten dudes on the field, and you know that could right. be the, that Deloach sits and Bethune is the guy lining up next to this player. Right. It right. would have to be immediately evident to everybody else. Like, oh, I see why they did this. All right, all right. I was mad at first, but you can't be mad at that. Look at this guy. I mean, Correct. he makes this all better. Yeah, that's if what I mean. If they have, uh, if they have an option. To go yeah. get a star, like a guy that you're like, oh, my God, this guy is a mercenary. He's a one year. He's going to the league. He's Jermaine Johnson, only he's a linebacker. You know, that kind of a thing. If you have that opportunity, it will be intriguing. Do they pull the trigger at the end of spring to make that happen? Come back, wrap it up momentarily. Jeff Cambridge on 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. The Cameron Show is a production of the Warchant.com Multimedia Network. Check out Warchant.com today for the latest news inside Florida State Athletics. That's Warchant.com. Now, back to Jeff on Real Talk 93.3. Do you remember Rick Arthur's 
Wrapping it up, Jeff Cameron, show 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Good to be with you on a Libations Friday. Have a great weekend, everybody. This will be good. Time for Tub Talk, Tom. We can do a little Tub Talk here. Oh. We can, yeah, we can kind of tub it up a little bit before we ride on out and make our way over to the football fields to watch practice and to get excited about uh, seeing these uh, offensive and defensive linemen and pads. It's time for Tub Talk. Brought to you by Pinch-A-Penny Pools and Spas. Buy yourself the hot tub you've always wanted at the price you've always wanted from Pinch-A-Penny on Greer Street. Now, it's live to the tub. You know, while we're floating in the tub, I got to tell you, I, I kind of doffed the cap to, to, a, to a player in the NBA. I haven't had the chance to do it, but Fred Van Vliet made me happy, Tom. You know... I like to I like to have my employees or clients, if you will, of the Jeff Cameron Show PR firm. Mean what you say and say what you mean. Mm. Let's come clean with it now if we've got a problem. Let's get it out there. Players too often remain sort of in the murky waters, ambiguous. They don't wanna they don't wanna take a fine. They don't wanna handle the repercussions of their comments. But if you've got conviction like Fred Van Vliet did the other night and you're willing to step to the dais in a very calm form, and you're willing to take that fine, I have to admit, as head of the JCSPR firm, I say, go on with it, Fred. That's fine. Well, you, as long as you know what you're getting into, which is going to be some pushback from the league and a fine, you say what you got to say. Yep, with the conviction of Pete Weber in the 10th <laughs> frame. That's uh, Go ahead. Yeah, full steam. You know, we like to see this out of our coaches a lot. Uh, there was a time once – Long ago, where Freddie Stevenson was guilty of a clip, according to Jeff Flanagan, and he just he just wasn't. And I believe the post game comment was, "It's gutless." <laughs> and okay, you know, yeah. does it get us the win? No. Are we close? All too close to a platinum bohica the wrong way because of that? Yes. But you know what? It's the right thing to do because we all know it was nonsense. And Mike Norvell has walked that line closely a couple few times. But I love it when a guy says, find me. I don't give a beep, and then you just move on. Good, good. Well, good to see. for those that don't know, he's had a problem with this specific ref for some time. And for a lot of the listeners and viewers, they don't watch the NBA. That's fine. This is not even really an NBA story as much as it is hilarious because Fred got fined $30,000 for his comments after he got a tech the other night. Um and he said that he's frustrated and he feels like I want to speak for a lot of guys in particular. It's an emotional game. We're all playing really hard. Sometimes you get a tech and you realize maybe you crossed the line. Sometimes, you know, refs make mistakes. He goes, I like a lot of the refs and they're all out there trying. And, you know, it's, it's, it's with this guy though, I see it, it maybe it feels a little personal um, because I'm frequently uh, getting texts from him. And you look at my other games and I'm not having that happen. So I wonder if we've kind of crossed this line. Um, now he has, you know, the, the, this particular official, his name is Taylor. His last name is Taylor is, I think it's Ben Taylor has been the one who's given him four of his eight technical fouls. Um, so here, here was the quote, Tom, I don't mind. I'll take the fine. I really don't care, but I thought Ben Taylor was effing terrible tonight. I think that on most nights, you know, out of the three officials, there's one or two guys that just kind of F the game up. It's been like that a couple of games in a row now with this guy. Uh, losing on money at Denver was tough. Obviously, you come out tonight, you're competing hard, and I get a 
BS tech from Ben Taylor again that changes the whole dynamic of the game, changed the whole flow of the game. Most of the refs are trying really hard, I'll tell you. I like a lot of the refs. They try very hard. They're fair. They communicate really well with us on the floor. And then you got these other guys that just want to be a blank, and uh, they want to screw things up. It gets personal with them. And nobody's out there going to see these refs. They need to know nobody's out here to see the refs. Nobody came to see Ben Taylor. They come to see the players. So, you know, that's the way I feel. I know I'm going to get fined. <laughs> <laughs> that's it i was like my man yes sir speaking from the heart we all know who those guys are in our respective sports when i was growing up in hockey it was a referee named paul stewart uh in baseball sadly for generations there's oh. been a plague known as joe west who is now finally retired cowboy joe west angel hernandez tim mcclellan cb bucknor you name it uh, every sport we've got one. Uh, there was a uh, Ed Hockley would once he decided to get involved in an NFL game. It wasn't just about the explanation. Like there's a flag on every other play. Uh, yeah. Ron Winter, uh, one of the referees, was always the holding ref. So if you've got something that stands out and the players know, they know the difference. Go ahead, lay it on them. You know what? I'll bet some of his uh, teammates and colleagues across the league next time that they're at. I don't know, all-star weekend or whatever. He might get a couple of drinks thrown his way for free because, hey, good job. I appreciate what you did standing up for all of us. Quote, ain't nobody out here trying to see Ben Taylor. (laughs) 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 That made me laugh. I was like, that's so true. I used to say that with Joe West on a nightly basis. I'd be watching the game, and then a guy would just merely ask, was that up? Was that away? Where was that? These are normal questions that pitchers might ask or a hitter might ask on a strike. Is that as far as you're going inside early in games? And Joe take it as an affront to the family name. He's like, you know, a guy gets pitched inside on the hands and it's a strike. It's called a strike. He steps out of the box, looks back at him, not demonstratively, and just says, as far as you're going inside tonight. Well, I need to know that as a hitter because then I know the inside strike's being called tonight, which means the outside strike is not. So, I, I you know, presumably. So, okay, or we're going to go up here by the numbers tonight or the letters? What are we? Where are we at? All right, well, you know, then when you bow up and take your mask off and we're in the first inning of a game, like, what, you want to fight me, Joe, really? I'll beat your old fat ass stand down. And it's, it's the worst. And you watch it in time and again. I, I really wish – NBA, NFL, all the major sports leagues. When you've got a guy who elevates the level of the dispute and makes it confrontational, they are by definition deciding to kind of paint outside the lines and make it about them. And that can never happen. And that's something that whether you are in the military or counseling or law enforcement, there is de-escalation training. And maybe for these officials, there should be de-escalation training. I'm just saying, because you're right. We all know who those guys are. In college basketball, you talk about a multi-decade play oh. that Jamie Lucky or Teddy Valentine, these ridiculous individuals that are paid. I mean, TV well, Teddy. TV Teddy. Remember, he actually helped us the one North Carolina game yeah. where he assessed the guy that tech. He went to the baseline and turned away from him and looked in the other direction. And then, you know, the guy tugs him. And so it turns into a tech. I think we ended up winning by a basket in that game. 
TV said he didn't end up hurting us. But it's just a sideshow. So you want to be a clown. Why don't you put on clown makeup while you're at it? And that way you can be like the rodeo clown and we can all just understand what you are. We've got lightning coming into the area. This may be an interesting day at the football fields, but it is a good time for us to sign off as my dog is nervous that the lightning just hit a tree across the street. Oh, man. All right, guys, have a great weekend. Uh, It's been fun. We'll be back with you on Monday. Be well and uh, enjoy uh, the weekend that is, and we'll talk again real soon. For Tom, I'm Jeff. Good job, Director Matthew, as well. Peace.